Hey, good evening to you guys. A uh, a first in Power Mizzou live post-game history. We are starting early. It is 8.21. <laughs> we were slated for 8.30. Um, I don't know if I just miscalculated the time in my head or what, but hey, it's early and hopefully some of you are here and hopefully others will join in at 8.30. But this is why you subscribe to the channel because you get alerts in case we do go live nine minutes early. Drew King on the other side of your screen. I am Gabe DeArmond. We're going to talk about this game momentarily, what it means for Missouri season, postseason, all of that. Any comments you guys have, feel through. Feel free to throw them in, comments, questions, all that. We'll get to those um, as we go along. Do want to remind you guys our post-game shows and our live shows every week are brought to you by James Carlton State Farm Insurance. You can get in touch with James at carltoninsurance.net or by phone at 314-961-4800. It took until February 20th or 18th or whatever, but I have memorized James's phone number. You should do the same thing. Get in touch with him. And he will give you the best deal he can possibly find you on insurance. And he's also, if you tell him that you heard about him on Power Mizzou and you get a quote, he's going to give $20 to every True Tiger Foundation, Mizzou's NIL collective. So, Drew, Missouri lost 69-60. I don't know about you. It didn't feel that close to me. Um, you brought it up during the game. It felt like both teams should have been behind by 15 at one point. Um, and very yeah, early. Yeah. It was just, it was, it was, um, really just a weird game overall. You have Texas A&M committing 21 turnovers, um, which usually would be a layup for a Missouri win. Um, that was not the case tonight that Mizzou, um, got beat in too many other categories to come out with the win tonight. So it, it was just a weird game overall, I thought. Well, and uh, it's interesting you use the word layup because those were a problem. Um, <laughs> Missouri started one for seven on layups. Layups and dunks, they started two for ten. Um, it got better in the second half. Dennis Gates wanted to talk about that. I'm not particularly interested in it because when you dig yourself the hole that Missouri did. I mean, it's going to get better in the second half, but it's not mm -hmm. going to get better enough um, that that this team could dig out of that hole. Um, and, and look, I want to say early on, I'll get this out of the way now. I thought Missouri could have been at the free throw line five or six times in the first six minutes of the game that weren't yeah. called. So we'll just say it. They weren't called whatever. I, I They didn't call anything on the other end in the first half either. I mean, but Dennis Gates brought it up in his post game. A&M had three fouls with 15 minutes and 37 seconds to go in the first half. They also had three fouls with three minutes to go in the first half. Um, there weren't many whistles. Now, Missouri is not a team that creates a lot of whistles. There should have been more. I don't think that's what lost Missouri this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I do think uh, A&M getting some foul calls at the end of the first half really helped them um, start pull away and go on that big run that made it a double digit deficit for Mizzou at halftime. Um, but, you know, I, I do think generally the refs did a, a pretty okay job, especially in the second half. I, I thought it was a pretty even game there too. So um, Mizzou had chances to come back um, and, and just didn't really capitalize enough to rally all the way back. Well, and Gates said he thought free throw shooting decided the game. A&M went 17 for 19. So when they got there, they converted. Missouri yeah. went 11. Wade Taylor, 10 for 10, by the way. Wade Taylor yeah. for Texas A&M. Missouri went 11 for 16 
that includes missing two front ends of one and one. So essentially yep. that is 11 for 18. That is six points in a nine point game. So yes, part of it is getting the calls, but part of it is converting when you're there. And, and also Missouri doesn't have a Wade Taylor who gets in the lane and seeks contact. And, and I mean, there were stretches of that game where I thought Missouri was like they would get in there, but then they would just back out or they would kick that. Like they're not a team that gets to the free throw line very much. And in individual games, you can point to that as like maybe a reason that the game turned. But when it happens game, I mean, they have been outshot on free throws for the year. And when you're playing, you know, eight blood donors in the non-conference, that tells me they're just a team that doesn't get to the line very much. And so when that happens game after game after game, it's not always the officiating. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think um, part of it, too, you know, you mentioned guys kind of being hesitant when they get to the rim. Um, I thought Texas A&M did a really good job tonight of really crowding the ball and crashing the paint whenever the ball got in there. Um, and, and yeah, I think Missouri, this is another thing that affects them when they're at a size disadvantage in every game is that you don't have a big guy who can score over the top of, um, you know, three defenders, right? You have their, Kobe their Brown. big guy is a rebounder. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, Mudiara had an okay game tonight, but he's he's not like a back-to-the-basket type of player. He's a, a pick-and-roll rim runner at best, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think Mizzou's just lacking a couple of guys that have the type of physicality to um, make a dent in a defense like Texas A&M's. And, and so that, I feel like, had an impact with the free throw count. And I thought it was uh, I thought it was notable. I don't know. It was about two weeks ago that the Dennis Gates said Kobe Brown can't have a bad day. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, he did. Kobe had right. 24. Um, he was eight of 13 from the floor. He was three of four from the free throw line. He was five of seven from three, uh, had six rebounds, only had two fouls, played 39 minutes, did absolutely everything he could to will Missouri back into this game. What has made this team good is that they have, in their wins, they have had a second and usually a third guy kind of supporting Kobe. They didn't have anybody support Kobe. I know Demoy Hodge had 12 points tonight. I don't think Demoy Hodge played well. They had Kobe, and they only had Kobe tonight. Yeah, um, and even like the guys like Nick Honor, right? 0 for 4 tonight, 0 points. Um, what do you have? two assists and one turnover. Like they usually get a lot more out of Nick Honor. I thought he was um, completely swallowed up by Texas A&M size. Sean East didn't have a great game either. Um, I just don't think this was a good matchup for Mizzou. Um, and it didn't help that, you know, they are missing a couple of guys. They are short on depth at the moment, but um, you're right. Like there was just nobody who could crack Texas A&M's defense outside of Kobe, and that made it really tough for them to score. So I think this is going to be the main theme of the show, and we're going to get to the comments and, and such here shortly. But where is your hand in relation to the panic button for Missouri fans after the last two games? Um, I, I would still keep it pretty far away. I think I would still keep my hand in my pocket right now. Um, I know these are not like these are two pretty rough losses but you know as far as getting into the tournament you know joe lunardi 
told me that Mizzou's 90% in, and that was after the Auburn loss, right? So I, I think it, they're still like very safely um, in the tournament. You talked about after the te- Tennessee game, you know, that win gave them a cushion in, in case they lost a couple of these games. And, you know, they're running out of cushion, but they did have that there. So um, I, I think Mizzou's still okay. Um, you wrote about this morning how the schedule gets easier and easier and easier as the closer we get to the end of the season. So um, I, I think Mizzou is going to be okay. Um, Texas A&M, I, like I said, is just a bad matchup for them. I, I agree with you for now. The panic button does not exist in my world as we sit here tonight. I reserve the right to change my mind after Tuesday night because I do think that's one they need to win. Um, because it's a home game you should beat Mississippi State at home. As long as they do that, I feel confident they can get at least two of the last three, and I think that's all it takes. Now, I do think there is some danger because you don't really have anything left that gives you a chance at a good win now, right? Like, this would have been a good win, maybe yeah. even quad one win by the end of the year. And and that's part of this. I think we forget that A&M is a really good team. Yeah. Because their non-conference was bad, but they that's not who this team is. They are now a good team. They're one game behind Alabama in the league standings, and by the way, play Alabama in the last game of the regular season. So I do not panic about Tuesday night at Auburn, and I do not panic about tonight. If they lose to Mississippi State, my hand will at least be like out, ready to move, because it will mean Missouri, I think, needs to win the last three games of the year. And while they should do that, if you're riding a three-game losing streak at that point, I don't feel great about it. Um, I feel like this Tuesday is the first time we're really going to find out how this team handles adversity. I mean, I know they got blown out by Kansas, but that really wasn't a big deal, except for the fact it was Kansas. They lost two games to Texas A&M and Florida, but those were road games, and I, I didn't sense any reason to, to really worry. This is the first time I feel like people are going to start to say, hang on, is this not the team we thought it was? Mm-hmm. And Missouri needs to provide an answer Tuesday. Yeah, I I, I agree with most of that. I, I wouldn't call the Mississippi State game a must win necessarily. Um, I, I think. But if you lose it, it makes the rest of those games. Must yes, win. that I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that. Mississippi State, yeah, it, it'll be important. I, and as far as the adversity part of the question, I, I think, you know, they had that really rough stretch. You mentioned it where they lost to Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Florida, three out of their four games, um, and, and then Alabama um, the weekend after that. So, right. um, I mean, they've they've come out of this before, Um but I, I agree that they probably need to show it again here with the Mississippi State game. And and here's where I do think Tuesday night is is must win is the wrong term, but is very important because if we're agreeing that this is still almost certainly a tournament team as we sit here today, seeding does matter. And this is a team that, like you wrote about earlier this week, probably is going to be seeded a little bit lower than a lot of us think maybe because of some of the metrics and some of the lopsided games. So Mississippi State is your last chance at like a decent win because mm-hmm. LSU, Georgia, and, and 
Ole Miss, those are just those are no upside games. Those are not going to help you with the tournament. They're not going to move the seed line. The SEC tournament's not going to make a big difference. So if you lose to Mississippi State, I do think you start looking at, okay, you're probably not favored to win your first game. You're mm-hmm. sliding maybe into that 10 seed or maybe into that play-in game type discussion, right? And so I, I think it's big from that standpoint. Yeah, no, and before they came into this stretch, you know, um, I, I talked about how um, they needed to go two and one with the two Mississippi State games and the Texas A&M game to kind of just hold their spot as an eight seed, right? And so they, like you said, they got that cushion from the Tennessee win, but now you're zero and two in the now Texas the A&M. Yeah, so the cushion's gone. You, if you want to stay where you are, right? you have to win the Mississippi state game. If you lose that game, I think you do slip a little bit in the seedings. Um, and like you said, those last three games aren't going to move the needle up at all. Um, so that's kind of where the importance of Tuesday's game will matter it is because also when I was talking to these bracketologists, the SEC tournament games count, but probably not as much as, people want them to count. Um, and, and so just look at Texas A&M for proof of it. Yeah. So Rocco Miller's advice was get your business done before the regular season is over with. I think conference tournaments can hurt teams a lot more than they can help. them. Um, yeah. To be quite honest. Uh, all right. I want to go ahead and get to some of your guys' comments and questions. Tiercell says, I'm worried about the road games, lose those two. And I'm sweating. Look, I'll, I'll go a step farther than that. You lose at Georgia and LSU. Like you're more than sweating. Mm-hmm. I think you're out if you lose those two because, guys, South Carolina won at LSU today. <laughs> I'm just going to say LSU sucks. They're the worst team in this league. You can't, there are two games Missouri cannot lose. They cannot lose at LSU and they cannot lose at home to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. They need to win one of the other two. Well, and also Alabama hung. 108 on Georgia today. Is that right? Yes. They were on pace 109, to score. 109. Do not 100. short them that extra point. Sorry. Apologies to Alabama. No, but yeah. So, I mean, these last three teams are not equivalent to the competition that Mizzou has seen Drew, over the last three games. Drew, Drew, stop being nice. They're bad teams. They're okay. not good. They're rat teams. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I would definitely sweat if they start dropping games to LSU and Georgia because like Mizzou is supposed to be on another level than the rat teams at the, at the bottom of the conference. Yeah. Um, I, I put this comment up only because it's an amazing coincidence that Cole Carter is asking for Noah Carter to be recruited over. I'm assuming that Cole was not related to Noah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe that's like Noah's family asking for him to be recruited over, but like, it's a legit. One of the differences in this team is, they ain't getting very much out of Noah Carter. Not not lately. Uh, I mean, yeah. And it's been a while. I, I mean, I don't feel like they've gotten much out of him most elite play. I agree with that. He's had some nights where, um, you know, he'll he'll give you ten or twelve, um, but if his three point shot isn't falling, um, he he doesn't bring a whole lot else to the table. Um, at the moment, at least, right? And that's something that I think the team has struggled with in these last two games is figuring out who to pair Kobe with in the front court because 
Um, you know, Mo Diara had an okay game tonight. He wasn't very good at Auburn. Um, and you're already down Ronnie DeGray because of an injury. So your choices are Noah Carter, who hasn't been playing great, or Aiden Shaw, who who really, to be honest, hasn't seemed ready for some of these moments, right? Um, he looks like a freshman out there sometimes. So it's not a lot of good options um, for that second right. forward spot. So they need more out of Noah Carter. I mean, they just, they just yeah. have, they're going to have to get that to, to go somewhere, I think. So let's get to it. Um, I told you in the middle of this game, I said, I think today's the day people go from like curious and scratching their head about Isaiah Mosley to angry about it. And we mm -hmm. have seen that. It has happened. And guys, I want to say, I understand it. We're frustrated by it too. We don't know. And I know you want us to ask and pound the table. The answer's not changing. Like, it does not matter how many times and how many ways we ask Dennis Gates. We're going to get the same answer. And there is no real point in asking questions you know the answer to. I have asked him five or six times this year, and it's always the same, and it's going to continue to be the same. So is he going to play again? I have no idea. But Kay Hill says, we need Mosley, and we cannot go far without uh, that narrative that we can win without him needs to be put to bed ASAP. So I looked this up. I'm, I'm going to read through this. Here are the games Isaiah Mosley has played in. Southern Indiana, Lindenwood, SIUE, Mississippi Valley State, Coastal Carolina, Houston Christian, Southeast Missouri State. None of those games count. I don't care about those games. You take anybody out of Missouri's lineup and they still win those games. So that's seven games. Don't care about them at all. He played nine minutes against UCF and went 0 for 4 and did not score. Missouri won that game. Isaiah didn't play well. Mm -hmm. uh, he played at Arkansas. They lost. He played against Alabama. That that was they lost. He had 19 points in that game. Played against Ole Miss, scored 20, and they won. Played against Iowa State, scored eight, and they won. Played against LSU, scored 12, and they won. Played against Mississippi State, had five points, four turnovers, and they lost. So by my count, Isaiah has played in seven games that Missouri could possibly have lost. In those games, Missouri is four and three, and in one of the wins, he had no points. I understand being frustrated that Isaiah Mosley has not played. I think Isaiah Mosley can help this team play, win. There is no basis, in fact, that this team needs Isaiah Mosley to win. They've not been any better with him in the lineup than they have been without him. And maybe I, I think they've been about the same. Like, I don't think they've been worse, but I don't think they've been better. Yeah. Um, I guess my only argument or con contention would be that I, I think maybe Isaiah would have more of an impact if he had gotten more reps all along right and and right but we're like more time. We're past but yeah we're, we're 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 done with that now like we're four games left into the season um so yeah I I, I think at this point the team just kind of is what it is with or without Isaiah Mosley, right? And so um, I, I think, of course, everybody wants to see him out there, but um, even if he doesn't, this is kind of the team that you're going to get. Also, he has now, after playing in, uh, I don't know if it was five or six consecutive games. I think it was six. After playing in six consecutive games, he has now missed four games. At what point do you say it's too late? 
Like, because, look, Isaiah's not going to come back and suddenly be in the starting lineup and play 30 minutes a game. There's zero right. chance that's happening. So at what point do you say, look, man, we can't work another guy in? Like, five years ago, I watched this something similar to this happen. Michael Porter was hurt in the first game all year. Is he going to play? Isn't he going to play? Whatever. Comes back in the conference tournament. Missouri was worse with him on the floor in the two games he played than it was without him because they weren't used to playing with him. Now, this is a little bit different because Isaiah has played, but I got bad news, guys. Isaiah Mosley is not Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. He is not in his stratosphere as a basketball player, and that's not an insult. Neither 99% of kids walking this earth, but I I don't know. At some point, it's we're done with this. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I mean, like, we might already be at that point, Gabe. Like, it's it's possible. It's four games left in the regular season. And so, like, if he's not back already, like, I, I'm not sure that you have enough time to, like, reconfigure him into the rotation. Exactly. And this is the question, and I will ask Dennis this Tuesday. If he doesn't play Tuesday night against Mississippi State, I'll ask him if he's going to play again this year. He's not going to tell me. But I will ask. I mean, I'll, I'll do the I'll do the thing um, that, that that you guys want. And, and again, I do understand why people are are irritated about mm-hmm. it. I just if I knew at this point, I promise I'd tell you guys. Um, and, and I don't know. Um, Kyle McCormick says thirteen turnovers in the first half, and Missouri had twenty five points, and that's what this came down to, right? I mean, this game was lost in the first half, and largely because of that. Yeah. Um... Buzz Williams said in the press conference, it was a statistical anomaly that Missouri scored so few points off of the 21 turnovers that Texas A&M had. And, um, you know, I I think the credit to Texas A&M's transition defense, I I think that they did a really good job of being able to stop uh, Mizzou on the fast break. Um, But also like, Mizzou just didn't capitalize sometimes, you know, Nick Honor pulling up transition threes and, and, and breaking with nobody underneath the rim to rebound for him. Um, I mean, yeah, like that's that's what it came down to. Um, and then on top of that, you had Texas A&M making up for some of the turnovers with the number of offensive rebounds they got. They had 16 offensive rebounds. Um, so when you're looking at um, – you know, how many shots both teams got off. Mizzou only got one extra shot off than Texas A&M. Um, so I, I think that was kind of the difference and what kind of mitigated the effect that the turnovers had for Mizzou. Well, and this game was, like you mentioned, Honor pulling up with nobody on the break. Des Moines Hodge did it once too. But, like, those guys have made that shot all year. Um, mm-hmm. They had a – they were down eight. When it seemed like maybe there's a run in this team, there's about seven minutes left. DeAndre Golston got a steal. He flung a 45-foot pass in the direction of Mo Diara. It was stolen. I, I question if that pass gets to Diara, how much good it does, because you've got your 6'11 guy handling the ball in the middle of the court. But, but also, and I tried to ask Dennis Gates this, and I don't think I phrased it very well, and I don't think he was in the mood to talk about it anyway, but like, those are the things this team has done all year. And when they work, they win. And when it, they don't work, they lose. I mean, like, this team's not going to win when it's not forcing turnovers or when it's not converting off turnovers, when it's not getting transition points. So, like, 
the difference in the wins and the losses is it didn't work tonight, but they kind of, I guess my point is like that Golston pass or the hard shot or the honor shot. Part of you says that's a bad shot or a bad possession, but if it works, it's good. And it's worked for this team this year. And that's how they have to play. I think. Yeah, no, I mean, you call it the uh, the effort Noah's down there somewhere pass. Like yeah, that, that, right. was, that was an effort, like Mo's down there, <laughs> and and um, he was, and he was. But um, no, you're you're absolutely right. Like some of these plays are a hundred percent reckless, right? Um, and so I, I think sure well, like they get in the, away in, with in it this sometimes. game. Dre Golston rose up for like a 24 footer and I go, no. And he made the shot. Now that doesn't make it a good shot, but it went in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think in a loss, it definitely kind of underscores how reckless some of those decisions are. Um, and in a win, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, like you go along with it. So um, I, I think, I, I mean, the way it, I put it, in the middle of the game, I said, when they were winning, the wild and reckless play was endearing. And when mm. they lose, it's maddening, right? And you yeah. just, it's live by the sword, die by the sword. It's the team that shoots 47 threes. And on the night they exit the NCAA tournament because they went seven for 47, you just say, well, that's how we got here. I, what are you going to do, man? Yeah, that, that that's going to be – that's kind of my point is like that's, that's kind of just what this team is. I don't see them changing with – this little time left until March. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it cost them tonight, but it, it might help them out against Mississippi State next time. Tiercell brings up an interesting point, at least half of one. Uh, can they be any worse at rebounding and loose balls? I mean, rebounding. No, no, they can't be any worse. They can't be. I mean, literally, they can't be. But rebounding and loose balls. So here's the thing, and they, they tie in together. Drew, this team seems to have a hard time grabbing the basketball team. Like there were multiple times that they were there for a rebound and the rebound hit their hands, but it bounced off. And, and every time that ball seemed to go to Texas A&M or out of bounds off of Missouri. I mean, they every 50-50 ball I felt like they lost tonight. Yeah, we, we have a name for that. It's called stone hands, and it just kind of right. pings, pings off your it's hand. Generally, it's generally <laughs> not great for a wide receiver. It's apparently also not great for an entire basketball team. <laughs> Correct. Um, no, I mean, I, I think you also have to give Texas A&M credit here. Um, I, I think that they did a good job of really getting after the loose balls. Buzz, Buzz Williams talked about how that's like – rebounding is a whole category for them along with offense and defense. Like that's something that they really, really work on in a scheme. Right. So um, I, I think it's definitely a specialty for AM and it's definitely not a specialty for this. I, I mean, look, I can explain away minus eight or minus 10 on the board by just, they're not big. I, I can live with that. That That's part of it. But when you're talking about minus 18 and minus 20, at some point, that has to be – you have to talk about technique and effort. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but, I mean, for Mizzou, I think most of the time they can get away with not having that effort. But when they go up against these teams like Texas A&M who grab 16 offensive rebounds, like it's a lot more noticeable that – Right. The boards are not a strength for Mizzou. Well, 
Well, I got bad news because Texas A&M lights come into town Tuesday night. I mean, mm-hmm. A&M's better than Mississippi State, but Mississippi State plays a very similar way. Yeah. Paul says A&M wins the SEC. What do you think? Um, I don't hate the idea. I think the tough part is that they also have Tennessee, um, so I it'll be a struggle to get to the top, I feel like, if we're I, talking I think, about regular season at least. Yeah. I think Bama wins the league. I just think they're way better. Thoughts on this scenario? Beat Mississippi State, lose to Jordan and LSU, beat Ole Miss. I think you're in the tournament. I don't think yeah. it's ideal, but I think you're in. I agree with that. You'd be probably a 9 or a 10 seed 10. at that point. Yeah, I'd say um, maybe even 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you wouldn't be in a 50-50 game anymore. You'd be more like an underdog going up against – um, I don't know, Iowa State again, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, as good as Kobe has been, he seems to always leave you wishing he was even more aggressive. He's too unselfish. I thought there was a time in the second half he started to kind of try to take over, but then also they just had a bad possession at, at the worst times tonight. I mean, there was one where Golston and Kobe kind of passed it back and forth to each other, not realizing the shot clock was under five. I mean, yeah. seen that four shot clock violations tonight, and that's just lack of awareness. Yeah. I, I, I think also, you know, Texas A&M obviously knows like Kobe is going to be the guy. Right. And, and so I think they were sending a lot of help toward Kobe. They weren't giving him like any one-on-ones when he was in the paint. Um, and, and so like, that's why you had, you saw Kobe had to shoot seven three-pointers tonight and he made five of them. Um, he only had six shots that were inside the arc. So um, Texas a gave him a tough night. It's tough to be aggressive when you're getting triple teamed every time you touch the ball. Right. Yeah, and there were a couple times Kobe scored with four guys around him. I mean, mm-hmm. he just said, screw it, I'm going up, and, and it worked, and it was impressive. Uh, Bryce says, you keep saying the only person who can give us an answer on Mosley is Gates. Seems like someone else would know what is going on. I got bad news. Like, I've talked to people in the athletic department that are like, yeah, this is weird. Um, do some people know what's going on? Probably. They aren't talking, guys. Like, we can't force people to talk. I, I don't know what to tell you other than that. Uh, on or off the record doesn't matter. You cannot force someone to tell you something that they don't want to tell you. Um, so we'll, you know, like I said, I'll ask on Tuesday night if he doesn't play, if he's going to play again this year. And I I, I will tell you right now what Dennis Gates is going to say. Everybody's day to day. Because that's what he said like six times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and they'll was- say Mosley – isn't out for disciplinary matter. Yeah, he wants to play. He's just going through a personal matter. And we want to keep it private. Yep. And thank you for respecting that. Yep. Um, Speaking of personnel, I think it was weird that Trey Gomillion played like, I don't know, two, three minutes tonight. I don't. I saw him. I don't don't think that's weird. So when I was on the road, you know, we saw him like warming up, warming up, right? He's going through like the first two shoot arounds, right? And then they go through their last little layup line drill and they pull Trey out. And that was at Tennessee, right? Then at Auburn, they do the same thing. He's going through motion drills, you know, warming up his groin that he injured. Um, And then he's like in the layup line and he's dunking, right? And and I'm like, oh, he's probably going to play tonight. They don't play him. Um, So tonight he goes through everything and we finally see him out there. Dennis Gay 
States has been super, super cautious with him. Um, I, I think they just kind of wanted him to get his feet wet um, and, and get in a real game for once. Um, so that didn't surprise me that we only saw Trey for a little bit tonight. Yeah. I mean, I would think you add him back into the rotation. I'm not sure that's a difference maker on its own, but it does give you another option. It gives you another body. I don't get the feeling Ronnie DeGray is coming back. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. That's just Ronnie, what it seems like to me. The thing is, he's got like an immobilizer on it's his a, knee. It's a knee sprain. He's wearing a brace. Look, when I've learned this over the years. When they talk about a knee sprain, something's torn. Now, it may not be serious. It may not be an ACL, but a sprain in a ligament is a tear. Uh, that That's what yeah. that is. I, I don't think he's playing again this year. I, I would be pretty surprised if that were the case. Um, and like, you know, like Trey, at least we heard good things about him leading up to that, right? Coach was talking about Trey, Trey's running in practice. We haven't heard anything like that about Ronnie DeGray. Ronnie's not even doing layup lines. And, yeah. you know, it's it's too bad because I do think he's a piece who could help. He can play defense. He can go get a rebound. He can do some of the, the dirty work. that this He's he's runs. actually got some size, which <laughs> doesn't have a lot of. Yeah, wouldn't hurt. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I originally scheduled this. I thought, hey, 5 o'clock game Saturday night. People will be, people will be uh, interested. I think they got a shot to win, so we'll get a big crowd. Didn't quite – that's laid plans and all that, but um, so we still got some writing to do. So we're gonna go ahead and and, and shut it down here pretty soon. Just kind of closing thoughts, you know, thirty thousand foot view on this one. Um, I think it's a pretty important game in the grand scheme of things. Um, I, I think it sets up for a pretty dramatic finish for Mizzou. Um, just because like a couple of these games are going to end up being pretty important for him. Um, so, yeah, I think Mizzou is a little bit on the ropes right now, but they've shown that they can bounce back. So I, I think that's kind of what we'll be looking for in these last couple of games. Mine's kind of similar. I think it makes Tuesday night important. Um, the question I have coming out of this game, I think we can all agree, in the first 25 games of the season, Mizzou overachieved. Mm -hmm. Tonight, Maybe they underachieved. The question is, is this water finding its level? Is this, hey, this team was never 19 and 6, top 25 good? Or is this just a bad couple days? And mm -hmm. and I think we won't have the answer to that question yet. Um, we might find out Tuesday night. But uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And uh, if you have been here uh, watching live, uh, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. That way you'll get notifications when we go live. I think this is going to be our last live post game of the regular season. We will do it after every uh, every postseason game, whether that's with, with Drew in Nashville for the SEC tournament or with both of us on the road for the NCAA tournament. We'll have live stuff after every game Missouri plays after the regular season ends. Might do something after the Ole Miss game March 4th. We'll wait and see. But uh, like, subscribe to the channel, do all that. More importantly, make sure you reach out to our friend James Carlton. Uh, Drew can at some point give you a testimonial. I'll just make him record like a video that we can run at the beginning of this. Uh, he is Drew's insurance agent. So uh, carltoninsurance.net. 314-961-4800. James will take care of all your insurance needs. And also, if you uh, get a quote from him, even if you don't get the insurance, if you just get a quote from him, tell him you heard about it. 
uh, from Drew and I here at Power Mizzou. He's going to donate $20 to Mizzou's NIL Collective, Every True Tiger Foundation. So appreciate you guys doing that. Appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Um, turn this into a podcast. If you hear, hear us, if you're listening on that, make sure to share it, say nice things on social media. And uh, we are off to finish things up. So we'll talk to you guys later.